<laughs> Hiya. Hi. How's it going? I'm fantastic. And me too. Actually, I do have to bring this up because this is, I came home today and my husband had cleaned the house. What? It's the nicest feeling in the world to come home to a, a clean house that you didn't have to clean yourself. Did you have to tell him to? No. What? No. Let me tell you what my husband did. <laughs> Speaking of husband. Speaking of husband. <laughs> so if you sent your husband out to get you, like he was going to be in a certain area, and you said you want a Panera since he was going to be in that area, and you told him what you want, you wanted a sandwich. <laughs> what? Like, was it you know, a big sandwich? <laughs> no, it was not. Because, you know, they have the hole and the half. Mm-hmm. Now, this is dinner, right? Right, dinner. So if you send him out to get you a sandwich for dinner... Do you expect him to bring you a whole sandwich? I, yes. For dinner, I would say the whole sandwich, yes. He calls me, and like he's already left the place, and he's like, I said, did you pick up dinner? He said, yeah, I got you the half sandwich. <laughs> I, said, I said, for dinner? And he said, yeah, you didn't specify. When in doubt. <laughs> you go big. You go for the whole sandwich. <laughs> it was just a tease, and I opened it up, and I kid you not, it was like this big. And so then he stopped and got, like, cookies and Pringles to, to, try to, to make, make up, up for it. It didn't make up for it. it yeah, I had to, <clears throat> I did get in a, a Wings reference there. Our favorite, one of our favorite sitcoms, Wings. Yeah. The Big Sandwich. I love- Brian Hackett springs <laughs> for the 10-footer. <laughs> oh, God. Actually, speaking of TV shows. Okay. I saw an article today. That reminded me of something we would probably talk about. Okay. So it was saying um, TV shows or characters on TV shows who weren't in the first season but came in later and made the show better. Oh, okay. The first one I thought of, obviously, a Buffy reference here, (laughs) is Spike. Yeah. On Buffy. That's a good one. Because he didn't come in until season two. Yeah. And he made it all the way to the end. So Joyce hit him with an axe. Remember? (laughs) Stay away from my daughter. (laughs) Oh, well, Wings, though. Um, Casey. Casey, yeah. She was a good addition to it. I enjoyed Casey a lot. She was funny. Klaus to um, Vampire Diaries. Yeah, that's a good one. Another Buffy. Faith. Yep, yep. I enjoyed Faith, even though she, you know, she came, didn't she leave for a little while? Yeah, yeah. But she was. Well, she came back in the last season. Yeah, but I liked her character, yeah. Amy Farrah Fowler from The Big Bang Theory. Definitely, that mm-hmm. show for me was getting a little bit stale actually until she came in. Oh, the one where they do the scavenger hunt <laughs> and she's with she's with <laughs> and they keep listening to Neil Diamond. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love Neil Diamond? <laughs> and then it shows him at the end singing at the doing karaoke. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. But those were the main ones. I always, everything always comes back to Buffy. Usually, always. that's always the first thing I think of. Yeah. Well, you know, like you said, all roads lead back to Buffy. Always, always. And, and I said, henceforth from last week, my goal for every podcast was to get in a Buffy reference. Oh, and you took the quiz. Oh yes, yes. So also another. BuzzFeed, actually, is what I was looking at. So I took a quiz to determine which Buffy character (laughs) I was. And I was fully expecting Willow, like, just based on my answers. I was totally disappointed. I got to the end, 
and it gave me Dawn. 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 Out of all the characters, that is the one I would like the least. She's probably the worst character in the Buffyverse. And you kind of feel sorry for her because she got put into an impossible situation. She's the key, though. The cosmic, the cosmic key. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> I took the same one and I was Buffy. Of course you were. And like I said, I, was, I screenshot it on my phone because I didn't think you would believe me. But No, I believe you. But I still, I mean, I would have been okay with Willow. Or Faith, or Spike, or, or Drew, Giles. Giles, Anya, Anya. Oh, that's another one for the Buffy. That yeah, was, she added a lot to the show that wasn't on at the first season. True. I don't know if people realize how big of Buffy nerds, nerds we were, but <laughs> still are. <laughs> I love it. It's the greatest show there's ever been. I guess we'll need to get into our podcast now. The actual, <laughs> the actual case that we're talking about. This is a good one. It is, it is. So we're bringing you to Farmville, Virginia. It's about 60 miles west of the Richmond area, for those of you familiar with Richmond, Virginia. I'm not overly familiar with the Farmville area, to be honest with you. I I don't... don't I don't know that I'd actually ever heard of it before I started Mm -hmm. doing research on this case. It's probably a small area... Some not too different from. Well, they said it's a little sleepy town uh, where nothing, you know, bad happens that they know of anyway. And we're taking you back to September of 2009 and the late days of MySpace. That'll be a big deal in this one. Mm-hmm. And we have Mark Niederbrock, and I hope I'm saying his name right, and Deborah Kelly, their daughter Emma, and Melanie Wells. Those are um, our main players in this. And then we also have uh, Richard Samuel McCroskey, and uh, he goes by alias, and we'll go over that here in a few minutes. So Mark Niederbrock was a pastor in Appomattox County, which is not too far from Farmville. And Deborah Kelly was a professor at Longwood University. They are Emma's parents. They have been divorced for about nine months, and um, so they didn't live together anymore Emma, who was 16 at the time, she lived with her mother in Farmville. And then Melanie was 18 years old. She was Emma's friend, who was actually from West Virginia, but had been staying with Deborah and Emma for a little bit. Yeah. So um, Mark Niederbrock was actually, we talked about he was a pastor. He had been a graphic designer prior to joining the ministry. Deborah was a um, sociology and criminal justice studies professor, and she was super well-liked by her students. She also created a sorority, and they said she would have, like, cookouts and have them over and stuff like that. So she was very involved in her students' lives and very well-liked by staff, students alike. And Emma, she was born in October of 1992. She was homeschooled since she was in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, from all accounts, she had a pretty normal childhood. Her parents had only been divorced about nine months when all this went down. Right. But um, she had dreams of being a fashion designer. Uh, she enjoyed playing soccer. She was really big into music. And Right. So in actually the year prior to this, she had gotten on MySpace and had gotten into this fandom that's called Horrorcore. Mm-hmm. And so Horrorcore, which... I didn't know what it was. I had to look it up because it's not something I'm into at all. It's like a rap or hip hop that glorifies like super gruesome deaths. Like not just people dying, but like in 
like torture mm-hmm. and rape and just desecration of bodies. It's it's very very violent. Right. And so she got into this, and uh, this is where she met Melanie, and this is also where she met Richard. Yes. Everybody in these fandoms, if that's what you want to call them, they had nicknames. Right. So Emma's was actually Ragdoll. That's what she went by. Mm-hmm. Melanie went by the Unholy Apostle. Mm-hmm. And uh, Richard, uh, who is our suspect in this case, went by Sicko Sam. Right. So Richard, or Sam, whatever you want to call him, he is from California. Mm-hmm. And at the time he was 20, basically he and Emma strike up a friendship through MySpace. And it goes, you know, stems from this horror core rap that they were into. And they end up actually talking for like a year. Mm -hmm. And in Sam's view, they are boyfriend and girlfriend, even though exclusive. Yeah. Like they are, you know, with each other, even though they haven't met. Yeah. Well, they flirted back and forth. Like, there, there was different postings on each of their MySpaces from each other, you know. So, it definitely wasn't one side. No, it was very flirty on Emma's part and on his part. But um, his family, especially his sister, he was very close with his sister from what I've read. And that he was very passive and uh, he was bullied in school a mm-hmm. lot. And he had actually dropped out of high school and he was working part-time as a graphic designer but he was also trying to be this horrorcore rapper, this right. sicko Sam. You know, like we said, he had been bullied, and he was redheaded, and so they made fun of him for his red hair. He was slightly overweight. I didn't think he was from the pictures. From the he pictures, didn't I saw. Look, I mean, not something I think somebody would be made fun of no. for. But he's also in California, so That's true. things may be different. Different there, yeah. But yeah, he 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 was bullied a lot, and you know, obviously nobody should be bullied for anything. No, regardless. So. You can kind of understand that these young people, like we said, Emma is 16, Melanie's 18, he's 20, but he was a very immature 20. Right. Like he, he was super immature 20. You can kind of understand where they feel like they find their people right. in this group because that happens, you know, yeah. you, you find your core group. And- well, and especially in his situation where he had been bullied and probably life wasn't great for him going to school Mm -hmm. so when he gets into this group of people he feels like he fits in and he makes friends and things are you know easier for him this girl seemingly like and yeah and now he's got this girl who's paying him attention and you know things are actually going pretty well for him on that side of it so well and when he says sicko sam the things that we found online about him it, it was it was sick. Right. I mean, just some of the lyrics that he was writing, and he would upload videos to YouTube um, about he would be in these cemeteries, like these military veteran cemeteries, and he would be like urinating on you know Marines' graves and stuff like this, and just very disrespectful stuff. And one well, disrespectful for absolutely no reason yeah. other than just either shock value or like I can't imagine why anybody would think that was something you would want to do. No. no. I mean, just to go into a veteran cemetery and pick random, yeah. you know, soldiers, people. You know, I, I don't understand that. And, and, you know, his lyrics we're talking about, it wasn't told from another person's point of view. It said, like, I've killed these people. I kill. I do this. I do that. So, like we said, Emma grew up pretty normal 
Actually, he did too. I mean, his dad was big into, he was a musician, and he was big into like Insane Clown Posse Mm -hmm. and Metallica, stuff like that. And he had introduced uh, Richard at a young age to different kinds of music. And, you know, I don't find anything wrong with that. But they said that Richard had been upset that his mother had actually left the house. Um, It hadn't been that long. It was actually in 2009, the same year that all this went down. Mm -hmm. And that he was having a difficult time because his father had asked his mother to leave. Yeah. So he was dealing with that. But he's found Emma online. And like we said, they've been going back and forth on MySpace. So Emma's parents, you know, they weren't happy about her becoming so obsessed with this horrorcore rap. I mean, it was totally against you know, what they believe she should be doing at the time. Um, well, you I would know, assume as a yeah, minister. He, he's a, a pastor. Preacher, yeah. And then, you know, her mother is a professor. But they also don't want to, like, forbid her from expressing herself. And it and, would make it worse. Yeah, they thought it would just make it more alluring to her if they were like, you can't listen to this music you can't you know whatever so the and they actually you know got counseling for her just to make sure there weren't any mental issues um because of the type of music that it was and the violent you know lyrics they wanted to make sure there was nothing wrong with her so they, they knew about sam too right yes they they knew about sam and you know if you got to think about it they're trying to be supportive parents and, you know, he's not that much older than her, and they're both into this horror core. And I guess if you think your child has a real friend, that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure they probably weren't happy about his lyrics if they saw them. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like they were pretty involved parents, so they probably knew. To but, some degree, um, anyway. But, you know, I think that they tried to support her and at the same time kind of steer her maybe in a different direction yeah because she was involved in other things um but i think that this the allure of this world kind of sucked her in Mm -hmm. and i'm sure as a pastor's daughter a little bit of this may have been teenage rebellion yeah just you know you go against what your parents well especially pastor's kids I right mean, you've heard that your whole life you know all their pastor's kids well i feel like the bar is kind of set high for you because everybody expects because your you know parent is in ministry that you're going to be you know this perfect kid who never does anything wrong and makes perfect grades and all this so i think that there is a little bit there you know to just say that's not me you know what i'm saying i I think that is definitely probably an issue with this with emma it's just you know try to be complete opposite of maybe what people expect right so there was this festival coming up Mm -hmm. um it was called strictly for the wicked it was a, a horrorcore festival, and um, Emma and Melanie had decided they wanted to go. And Melanie was from West Virginia, like we said. Uh, she had actually dropped out of high school but was working on getting her GED. So things were going pretty well for her, it sounded like, and it sounded like she was fairly close with her parents and everything. And so they had talked about going, and Emma decided, starts talking about it with Sam. And he's like, oh, well, this would be a good thing for us to meet up, you know, for the mm-hmm. first time. And you know, she agreed and was all excited about it and everything. And of course, her parents were like, no, like, I'm not going to let my 16-year-old just take off to Michigan, which 
think it was like 10 hours away from mm-hmm. Farmville. I'm not going to let you just take off and meet a 20-year-old, you know. If you want to go, then we will take you. Mm-hmm. Deborah and Mark, I mean, they're divorced at this point, but they decide as co-parents that, okay, we will take you all if you want to go to this festival. We will take you, make sure you're safe while you're there, and then bring you back. Which, again, is very supportive yeah. of something that they don't agree with. Well, especially for divorced parents. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's pretty progressive. At the, I would I think mean, so. Yeah. So the, they make all these plans, you know, for him to come out and um, meet Melanie and Emma and go to this uh, festival for them to enjoy and everything. And things don't go as Sam plans. Well, she had posted on his uh, MySpace page about being excited to see him and that, like, the next time you post, you'll be at my house or something like to that effect. Yeah. So, I mean, she was building him up. I mean, and it was a two-way street. I mean, he was very excited and she was too. And so he, you know, comes all the way across the country, basically, from California to Michigan. Actually, he came all the way to Virginia. Yeah. yeah. So he goes coast to coast. And so that's a, you know, that's a pretty big commitment. Well, his sister had said that he was super excited to meet her in person, that, you know, he thought he was going to come here and meet the love of his life and all this. And uh, he was even bragging to the few friends that it claimed that he had uh, that, you know, he thought how beautiful she was and he couldn't believe that she was interested in him and all this stuff. So he arrives in Richmond Mm -hmm. and... Emma and Melanie and the, her mother, Deborah, go to pick him up at the airport. Mm-hmm. Well, he gets off the plane, and I think this was on the 6th of September. Mm-hmm. So he gets off the plane, and Emma's not that crazy about it. It lost some of the, I guess, I don't know. Well, it didn't live up to what she had built it up in her mind. Well, the pictures he was posting on MySpace didn't exactly go with how he looked in person. Right. Um. And, you know, he was this hardcore guy online, and that, that's what drew her to him, you know. And then when he shows up, and he's kind of meek-looking and just, like... Not what she was expecting. Not what she was expecting, and she was not into it from the beginning. So, But basically, she didn't give him a chance. Once she saw him, she was just like, this is not what I was expecting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's not... This is not going to work, basically. Yeah. But... You know, they were still going to go to the festival, and I mean, she still, you know, planned on being friends with him and just hanging out and enjoying this festival with her, him and Melanie and everything like that. So, the festival was actually on September 12th, so he hung out with them. For days. For, it was he, he left California to come here on the 6th, so I think he got here actually on the 7th. Right. With time change and everything like that. So, he was with them, you know, for a couple of days hanging out. So, I would imagine that... uh he probably felt like the third wheel with him. Well, she's not impressed with him. So probably during this time, there's a lot of, you know, kind of aloofness. Well, there were actually some accounts that said that they actually made fun of him, like, so that he could hear it. Oh, really? I, I and I, you know, I don't know, you know, what it didn't say anything about what was said, but there, there were accounts that said, you know, they would talk about him at the festival, too. I think there was someone at the festival who said this, that they would say things about him with him being right there. Right. So, you know, just kind of, I mean, somebody flies all the way across the country to do this with you. Regardless, could you not just pretend 
for a couple of days that it's okay. But there again, she's 16 years old. Yeah, I mean... You know, she's not... She doesn't have the... You're 16, and the guy who's been hitting on you for a year shows up and is not the guy yeah. that he was online. And, I mean, I imagine that happens a lot. Oh, yes. I mean, we've all seen Dr. Phil. It happens. <laughs> So, I mean, she's 16 years old. So, I guess she kind of felt like she had been catfished. Yeah, a little bit. You know. So, I mean, and, you know, you can't victim blame at all for, you know, no, what, what he no. did, you know, going forward. But he, he lied on who he was right. you know, from the get-go. And then he gets there and she's like, oh, no, that, that's well, not I think, for me. <laughs> I think, though, it was more, I, I don't know how, I think he just made himself seem to be a lot more, um hardcore yeah i think that was the main thing yeah than he was and you know what though in all reality that again goes back to where she's probably trying to rebel a bit you know pick the person that is the most opposite of what my parents would want me to be with yeah so i think that kind of plays into it too it's yeah. like when he gets there she's like you know you're not really as opposite as I thought you were. So when she wasn't attracted to him. Yeah, either. and that was a big thing. And I mean, at 16. When you're 16, that's a huge deal. Yeah. There is no account on what happened in those five days before they actually went to the festival. Which we leads me to believe that it must have been pretty normal. Well, you don't know. I mean, he could have been planning this from the very beginning, like when he got there and saw that it was, you know, mm-hmm. well, this is, this is what I'm going to do. You don't know if he had been planning that from the time he got there and that happened or if the concert pushed him over or anything like that. But, you know, you don't know what he said to them. You don't know what they said to him. Either way, saying something to somebody does not constitute, you know, what he does in this case. No. Well, and, you know, something else that, you know, potentially could have been the case, we don't know. But in the days after he got here, you don't know what he said. Exactly. Like, you don't know. Like, he may have come across as like, this guy's crazy. Yeah, that's what like, I'm saying. you know, he... They probably wanted he, There's something gone. off about him. And they may have been doing this stuff to get him to leave. So, because they're just creeped out by him. Yeah. But I mean, he you may do? have got off the plane and she may have been like, he's creeping me out. Right. You don't know. And so, like you said, that may have been why she was kind of aloof well, to him. And the fact that he was so obsessed with her, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's all well and good when you're on a computer screen 3,000 miles separated. Yeah. But when someone's right with you and that kind of obsession, it can be, it is overwhelming. It's and it gets it, creepy if it's to that level. Yeah. So I think there are several scenarios that could have played out. Yeah. But regardless, they end up going to the festival. Yeah. So Mark and Deborah drive them the 10 hours. It's somewhere in Michigan. So Mark and Deborah take them to the festival on the 12th, and they drop them off, and then they were going to spend the day in the city while um, they were enjoying the festival. And the festival went from, it was like that morning till 11 o'clock that night. Mm -hmm. So they go, and they have a good time at the festival. While they're at the festival... Well, Emma and Melanie have a good time. <laughs> right. Uh, Sam does not because Emma ignores him the entire time. Right. From people who were at the festival that saw them. And apparently, I didn't realize this either, that, like, for this genre, on MySpace at the time, like, the artists were, like, they were in a lot of contact with the fans. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not that way. I have no idea if it's that way now with the way social media is. It may be. But at that time, that was really your only social media platform. Right. Was MySpace. And I was never on MySpace, so I don't know 
all the inner workings of it. But yeah, so these artists, they knew a lot of their fans because they would interact with them on MySpace. Mm -hmm. So when all three of them show up to this festival, the performers and everything know them because they've been talking to them, you know, online through these forums and all this stuff. Sam gets really, really jealous at the festival. She is talking to other guys through text. She's um, talking to other guys in person. She's meeting up with some of the, you know, some of the performers to get to mm-hmm. talk to them and everything. So he, it, it wasn't what he expected right. at all. Well, no, he thought it was going to be him and Emma at the festival having fun together. Well, he probably and, thought they would get in their element. Yeah. this is what they've shared, you know, for the past year and that everything would be fine once they got there, maybe. I don't know. Right. But it, it didn't work out that way. So they get back to um, Farmville. And they get back, I guess, late or on the 13th or sometime on the 13th, September 13th. And then Melanie posts on her MySpace page that she'll be back in West Virginia on Wednesday the 16th. Well, that's the last that anyone talks to them. So the 16th comes around and Melanie's mother gets worried because she doesn't show up. So she begins to call the house because she can't get in touch with anybody. So she calls and calls and calls and never gets anybody. So then we get to the 16th. And that's the day Melanie's supposed to be home to West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And so it gets to be a little bit later in the day, and she still hasn't arrived home. And so her mom, Kathleen, was beginning to get kind of worried. So she begins trying to call her. She calls, um, you know, at Deborah's house, can't get a hold of anybody or anything like that. And you had actually done the research on, said that Sam had called and left messages on her phone. Yeah, after she had called so many times, I guess, he kind of started to think, you know, I might should reach out. Yeah. So he called and left, I don't know how many, it just said voicemail, um, saying different story, basically. So it was making her suspicious. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so she uh, gets Melanie's father, Thomas, to actually drive to Farmville. And where they live in West Virginia, it's about a three, three and a half hour drive to Farmville. Mm-hmm. So he makes the drive and he gets to the house and knocks on the door Nobody answers. They can't. He can't get anybody to come to the door or anything like that. And so he goes and waits in his car. And from what I read, and there's a few different accounts of this, and they change a little bit, so I don't know how accurate this is, but it said that he waited about seven hours. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever showed up. Right. And the house was dark, so he assumed nobody was, you know, they weren't coming home. Right. And, you know, they didn't know that she had been back from the festival at this point and everything. So he drives back to West Virginia. Tells his wife, you know, I knocked on the door, I waited, nobody, you know, couldn't get a hold of anybody. Mm -hmm. And so she starts going around on MySpace and everything like that and trying to find people that they had maybe come in contact with while they were at the festival. And she's able to get in touch with a guy named Andreas Schrimm, and he is with Serial Killer Records, and they were a performer at Mm -hmm. the festival. And... uh he informs them that, yeah, I saw them at the festival. You know, they were there all day, and they left. So she has an account that they actually left the right. festival at this point. So they know they weren't missing in Michigan. Right. They know that they came back to Farmville. Right, exactly. So after still not hearing anything, Kathleen, the morning of the 17th, so we're talking about Thursday after Melanie was supposed to be home on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So she tries calling again. She's trying to call everybody, get in touch with Anybody who may have seen them, she calls their house again, Deborah's house, and 
Richard, or Sam, whatever you want to call him, answers the phone. Mm-hmm. And says that they're at the movies. Right. And, like you said, he had already left these messages on her phone, so she was super suspicious at this point. Right. She says, tell Melanie to call me when she gets back. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'll have him call you, you know. And so... She already thinks something's up, so she calls the police. Mm-hmm. She explains the entire situation to them. You know, my daughter was supposed to be back yesterday. I haven't heard from her in like three or four days. This guy who came from California is staying at their house, and he answered the phone, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, will you go do a welfare check? Mm-hmm. Please. They go to the house to do a welfare check, go up, knock on the door. Richard answers the door, and they're like, uh... Where, where are the ladies of the mm-hmm. house, you know? And it's like, oh, they're at the movies. So I don't know how long this movie is supposed to be, you know, that there's... Because they had already told the mother they were there. Yeah. Which, I mean, it may have, You know, if she called the police right away, it may have only been maybe an hour. You don't know. Yeah. But regardless... Yeah. This is suspicious. I mean, this is... This kid is not even supposed to be in this house. Nobody's heard from anybody in days. And... He says they're at the movies. Yeah. I, I don't know what the legal side of that is. Like, if since they know he's not, you know, somebody who lives at the house, mm-hmm. if they can actually go in or anything. I don't know the rules on that. But um, that seems kind of suspect to me. It seems to me like they would have at least said, well, can we come in and look around? Yeah. Because there's got to be something that says... Well, Something's not right well, here. Well, and I wondered, too. Like, I don't know if there was a, a garage attached to this house or not, but... There had to be a car there, right? I mean, yeah. Deborah's car had to be there. Yeah. And so I, I thought that was weird that, you know, that they wouldn't have known. How did they the get to the was, movies? Yeah, how did they get to the movies? I mean, this was before Uber and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And it's Farmville. I mean, it's not like you would be, be like taking the Uber here. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do it. So I, I wondered about that. But so they take him at his word and he leave, or they leave and they call her and say, you know, they say they're at the movies. <laughs> She's like, well, how effing long is this movie? <laughs> uh, you know, she was beginning to, you know, get pissed off, and you can't blame her. And so, um, well, I would think honestly, in that situation, at the very least, if I were a cop that got called to this, I would be like, okay, you know what? He says they're at the movies. I'm gonna go somewhere else for a couple hours. Go back and check. It I'm out. gonna go back and check it out a little later and see. Yeah, that's hey, a good point. are they back from the movies yet? Yeah, and and they didn't. I mean, there was no follow up on yeah. that. So it's kind well, of and like we said too. This is a small town, and you you're, know, yeah, you're not expecting what what happens. You're you're not expecting that, right? And, this is true. And so, and Melanie was 18 years old too. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that played. She's into an their, adult. She's an adult. So right. I'm sure that played into it too. So Kathleen's actually able to get in touch with Mark. Emma's father, because he lived about 20 miles away in the next town over, and said, hey, I haven't been able to get in touch with Melanie or Emma or Deborah, any of them, and I talked to Richard. Can you go over and check on them? And this was later in the evening, well, early evening. It was like between four and five. And he Mm -hmm. says, yeah, I'll go check on them, and I'll give you a call back. Well, he goes to check on them, and she never hears from him. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that brings us to the morning of the 18th. Kathleen never heard back from Mark and so she calls the police again and is like you know the dad drove to the house to check on them he was supposed to call me back I never heard a word from him somebody needs to go check on them so the police go and when they get to the house they go to the door and it's unlocked so they open the door 
and a terrible foul smell just like hits them in the face as soon as they open the door. Oh, wow. So that gives them probable cause to go into the house. And what they find is a slaughter. And it's as bad as you can imagine. So Richard is nowhere to be found in the house. There are four dead bodies. Downstairs, they find the bodies of Melanie, Emma, and Mark. And then upstairs in her office, they find Deborah's body. And all the accounts, this was like a terrible, terrible scene. Like, so bad. Like, they released very little detail about this because of how bad it was. Yeah. Now, they're going to try to find Richard. Well, I, I'm going to make another point while, while we're still at this part of the story. There were actually a couple of neighbors on the 17th, which mm-hmm. is the day before the bodies were found, that had been walking through the neighborhood, you know, at the time. And they gave an interview on CNN talking about how bad the smell was coming from the house. And they thought that there was probably a dead animal mm-hmm. somewhere in the neighborhood, but it, they commented how bad the smell was. So well, I can only imagine. Well, I can comment a little bit on this. If you've ever been out in the country or somewhere where you know there's a good po- possibility that there's a dead animal mm-hmm. and you smell it, I mean, this is just one. Yeah. I mean, we're talking four bodies. Human bodies. Human bodies. And at li- three of them have been there at this point for four, four days. days. Well, three to four days. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... It had to be just absolutely terrible. So... And he was in the house with them that long. Yeah, so. and we'll get into that a little bit, too. But mm-hmm. Richard's nowhere to be found. So they are aware of Richard. He is on the police's radar. Because um, the police were able to, um, the ones who actually went to the house earlier to do the welfare check, they were able to go through like MySpace pictures, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh yeah, this is the guy that opened the door." So right. They 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 knew what he looked like and all that. Right. But um, actually, earlier that day on the 18th, mm-hmm. this was like four o'clock, four or five o'clock in the morning. A homeowner on a, a road going, you know, out of Farmville called the police and said that there was a motorist stuck in a ditch near his driveway. Apparently Mm -hmm. he had a long driveway and all that. And so a police officer along with a tow truck driver show up and it's actually Richard, Sam, and he had stolen Mark's car. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, whose car is this? You know? And uh, he's like, Oh, it's my girlfriend's dad's car. And, uh, you know, I come in to see her. I'm going back to California. I was just trying to get to the airport and they actually gave him a ticket for driving without a license. Mm-hmm. And the tow truck driver was like, oh, okay, well, I will give you a ride to the nearest taxi place so you can get a taxi to Richmond. Right. Because like we said, it was a little bit of a drive from you know Farmville to Richmond where he would be catching his flight. Right. So the tow truck takes him to a taxi. The taxi takes him to Richmond Airport where he's going to catch a flight, but that will not be until the next day. Right. So both the tow truck driver and the taxi driver talked about the smell that was just like radiating off of him. Well, I was going to mention that. So he's at the airport. Mm -hmm. The police talk to the taxi driver and the taxi driver tells them, I took him to the airport. So that's they know he's there. Yeah. So they go to arrest him, and they find him sleeping in the baggage claim area. And 
they talked about the smell that it was just the absolute worst smell you like you were saying about the taxi driver he had to roll the windows down he said he was gagging yeah like it was just foul and the tow truck driver said that and quote he smelled like the devil which fits right and uh they said that he had stains all over his clothes and like dried blood Mm -hmm. i mean he had been in this house for days hadn't showered hadn't taken you know hadn't changed clothes hadn't changed clothes so you can only imagine the smell that is just oh gosh it, it, it had to be terrible i can't i don't understand the logic behind that no like surely he came all the way from california he had other clothes mm-hmm. so why would you not shower and put on fresh clothes that may be something psychological too it has to be because there's no other explanation for that why would you that's just, I, I don't understand that. Because they said when they arrested him that his clothes were like matted to him. Yeah. Like it was just completely disgusting. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine, I mean, it's just, oh. Well, talking about the psychological side of this too, because obviously that plays a major role in this one, the psyche of Sam. He was telling the, to- uh, not the tow truck driver, but the taxi driver on his way to the airport that he had gotten into a fight with his girlfriend mm-hmm. and that. Because he had looked in her phone. And that yeah, she called him going through her phone. Yeah, and that made her mad. But he was going to give her a couple of days to cool off, so he was going to go back to California. So that that just tells you how... He had thought about it. Yeah. He had thought about what he was going to say. Yeah. There may be some truth to that, that, you know, she did get mad. He, she, he was going through her phone and she called him. Still, he's calm enough to tell this kind of story after mm-hmm. killing four people. Yeah. I mean... You don't and know what wearing, goes wearing, wearing the, the yeah. I just can't knowing what it has on it, like from four different people, just you know, disgusting, absolutely disgusting. So they arrest him and take him to jail. So going back to the crimes, all of the victims were bludgeoned to death, according to his attorney. I guess he was trying to show him in a better light said that he he had used a um, maul and ball peen hammer. He said the reason that he chose the maul was because when he picked it up, the axe head was so heavy that he knew it would kill them quickly. So, I mean, and his attorney is the one who said this. So I think he was trying to say, you know, he wanted them to go quick, you know. Yeah. I I and these were at their ha- like at yes. Deborah's house, right? He got yes. the weapons from the house. He got the weapons from the house. So he'd obviously play. How would you even know where to find this stuff? Like if you go stay at somebody's house, you would have to go looking for this. Mm-hmm. Like it's not because this is not something you just leave laying around, right? It's going to be probably in a garage or in a you know basement. It's going to be somewhere, not just laying in your living room. Yeah. So he obviously. So that shows searched it out, if nothing else. Right. It wasn't just a rage, fly off the handle and stab somebody, to, you know, grab a knife and stab somebody. I mean, he went looking for this. So, yeah, they were all bludgeoned. So, basically, he killed uh, Melanie first. And um, she, then he, she was sleeping on a couch, wasn't she, like in the living yeah, room or something like she that? she was on the couch asleep. He bludgeoned her. Deborah was upstairs in her office and she was asleep as well. All, actually, all three of these victims were asleep because um, there were no defensive wounds at all. So he basically they ambushed back, them. So yeah. yeah. Find Deborah's body in her office. So he had attacked her in her office and then and he killed Emma last. And 
So all of them, like I said, no defensive wounds. They believe they were all just sleeping. Mm-hmm. So, but with Mark, so this is, you know, two days later. So he's days in the house with three dead bodies. And he, he makes videos inside the house with the bodies um, he also recorded himself saying that he knew that he had to pay for what he had done and that he was considering suicide. Mm-hmm. So they really haven't released what he had said, like what he did with the bodies in these videos. And right. You really can't find anything online about that. And uh, probably a good thing you yeah. can't because it's hard to tell, you know, what was actually done after they were already dead. Right. And being involved in this, you know, torture kill it could you know, have been his opportunity to make videos with actual dead bodies yeah i, I it's really disturbing it's to think sickening. about yeah but anyhow so when mark shows up we don't know exactly what happened then there, either there are a couple of different reports one says that like he actually had a like he actually talked to mark mm-hmm. but then other ones say that mark or that uh sam was like laying in wait for him when he walked in and he kind of ambushed him well, there are also reports that while Sam was in the house, he was drinking and doing drugs and all that. So I'm imagining if you've killed three people and you're hiding out in the house, you're probably really paranoid and are probably like constantly looking out the window, seeing if anybody's coming. So I, he's got to expect, you know, eventually these, somebody's going to show up. Right. Somebody's coming in. How he could be so calm, too, though, when the police came, you know, after. That's creepy. I mean, yeah. No remorse, no, you know. But, yeah, so so when Mark came in, he basically walked into his death. I mean, he, you know, he bludgeoned Mark as well. He had defensive wounds, though, didn't he? Yes, he did have defensive wounds. So he did try to fight back, but they said that the damage to the floor was so extensive that, like. like, blood and everything was just soaking through it. It was terrible. So, I mean, it was it was pretty gruesome. So, police arrested him on everything, and they were trying to get a motive from him. Mm-hmm. And originally, he wasn't giving them much. Uh, he was kind of smug about everything. And his response was, Jesus told me to do it. Right. Which we know. Par um, for the course for right, him. Right. So, um, you know, that obviously doesn't fly. But he is uh, actually charged with six counts of capital murder. And I wondered what that was, and it said that, I guess it's Virginia law, I guess it's Virginia law. Or at least it was at the time. Yeah, that if you uh, kill three people, do a capital crime within three years, that automatically adds to your charges. So he was originally charged with uh, six counts of capital murder, but then on September 20th, he pled guilty to the four murders. Mm -hmm. And um, although he was facing the death penalty... He was actually sentenced to life in prison and four consecutive. So he'll never get out. No, he'll never get out. But also when he was leaving the courtroom, he basically was smiling. Yeah, smiling, smirking. I mean, you can look at the pictures of him online as he's coming out of the courthouse. And, uh, you know, I imagine he's not doing too much smiling now. But no, I would say not. But I think that that kind of tells you he didn't. he did not feel any remorse for what he had done. Yeah. And I mean, the... Emma was a young girl, I mean, 16 years old, and didn't have a chance to really figure out who she was. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, even, you know, 
at 18, 19, like, 20, yeah. you still don't know. I just, we had talked about this before a little bit. You know, a normal person with no mental health issues can listen to horrorcore or whatever it is, watch torture movies. It's, it doesn't bother them. But somebody who already has the mental issues and, you know, just the desire to do something like this. Because I think it has to be in you. Yeah. Like a normal person would not watch that and think, I need to do that. Right. Like, like really do that. Not just write about it or, you know, make a fake movie about it, you know, but actually go out and do it. Right. Because I, to me, you know, this would not be my cup of tea. I'm no. not going to be listening to horrorcore rap. I mean, I don't want to listen to people talk about mutilating bodies and killing. Like, that's not what I want to listen to. Mm -hmm. That does not put me in a good mood. No. But at the same token, you know, if you don't have any mental issues, somebody could listen to that all day and it's not going right. to make them go out and commit murder. Well, I mean, we've talked about this several times about the influence, like media and all forms of media, music, movies, TV shows, all that. I mean, we grew up, you know, watching basically whatever we wanted to. Oh, yeah. I mean, our mother, we've talked about her before, that, you know, <laughs> she would let us watch anything. And we watched movies we shouldn't have been watching when we were kids. But there, was, there wasn't anything there that was going to feed, you know. Right. There's something that is inside of somebody like that, that mm -hmm. when they hear It's that, almost like... I think it's a combination of things. It is like an inherent evil almost. Yeah. Like there is something wrong with you coupled with the fact that, you know, you've been bullied, you've been put down, you've been, you know, just not had a good life. And that messes with your mind. Mm -hmm. He needed psychiatric help. Yeah. He didn't get it. Mm -hmm. And he's deeply involved in this that feeds what's already inside him. Mm -hmm. So I think the combination is a lethal one because like we were saying, you know, it, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know who listens to this and it's not a big deal and who's going to listen to it and take it seriously. Yeah. I mean, not as, not to use it as a cop out. I mean, that's no... You can't blame no, you music can't. or movies for what people do, but it does affect people differently. Yeah. I mean, music does change your mood. Think well, about it, it. It does. Because if you're in a bad mood and you get in the car and a song comes on that you like loved and you like, you automatically feel happier. Yeah. At the same token, if you get in the car and a song is really depressing, and it, or it reminds you of something that was depressing. Yeah. A funeral, whatever. It makes you depressed. Yeah. So, I mean, it does change your... Well, the influence is definitely there. Yeah. And, like, we've, talk, we've talked about this way before we were even, you know, doing research on this one, about the influence of everything. And it definitely does have an influence on even normal people. Because, mm -hmm. like, we had talked, you know... Buffy, for example, you know, I was super, that's my favorite show of all time. And when I started watching that, I wanted to learn how to do martial arts because, you know, the, the fight scenes were so fantastic and stuff like that. Right. And so that was an influence on what I wanted to do. It influenced you, though, in a positive right. way. And, and we, you know, you obviously. Didn't think, you didn't think you wanted to go out and start staking people. No, I didn't want to go staking <laughs> anybody, you know. I just wanted to be able to 
do the flying kicks and stuff like you're that. Th- what you're really thinking was, yeah, I w- if I ever get attacked by a vampire, I want to know that I could hold mine. That's right. <laughs> you know, what would Buffy do? And But the same thing, you know, I write screenplays. And a lot of my screenplays have been darker stuff. Because, you know, the first time I saw Scream, and people may laugh at that, but I saw Scream, and I was like, I want to do that. Not I want to be Billy and Stu, mm-hmm. you know. I want to write that. Write the story. It's just it's just entertainment. Not right. like, you know, that that's actually, oh, I want to do that. You know what I mean? Right. And so I have written screenplays that, you know, some people would probably not enjoy, you know, if they didn't enjoy. I know Warner Brothers doesn't enjoy it. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should say that, but, you know. They didn't enjoy that one. That one they did not um, really care for. But, you know, it is what it is. Well, it's personal taste. Yeah. I enjoy a good thriller movie. I enjoy a, I enjoy Halloween. I enjoy, you know, I watch ID all the time. I'm fascinated by it, but not in a way where I'm learning from it. Well, a lot of it comes in. I I think a lot of it comes into you want to know. What, Why do people do what that? What makes this person do this? Like what you almost look like into their life, and you think where you try to see where it went wrong. Where it it's fell like, apart. Yeah, it's like what happened to make them do this? And you know, you don't ever want to blame the victim. Yeah, it's never the victim's fault. No, but there's no cause for it ever. You know, you want to. There is a need to humanize. Yeah, the, the perpetrator though, because you want to think no one is that seriously messed up yeah you want to think oh you know you want to be like well he was bullied well and you you, know you can feel sort like when a kid is bullied it's terrible uh, you know i have nieces and nephews and if i find out they're being bullied then that's that's not good and but you can feel sorry for them you know when they're younger and they're kids and they don't you know they can't stand up for themselves and and even teenagers you've like, I can't watch movies where people are getting made fun of. I have mm-hmm. secondhand embarrassment for them, and I just can't, I can't do it. And But there comes a point when somebody has to actually take responsibility for the choices they're making. And you can't blame music. You can't blame movies. You, you can't blame the environment they grew up in right. for making poor choices. Well, that's the thing. He chose to kill these four people. Made a conscious he waited, decision. And that, here's the deal. Like, I could even, like understand it a little bit more if he like flew off the handle and like stabbed somebody and like fled and fled like it's just stabbed her and fled just like okay he got super pissed you know and but he methodically killed three people and waited for two days before he killed the her dad that is not that's a decision yeah that is not uh messed up yeah i did something i can't believe i did it you know yeah so there, that's two different things yeah I'm, i mean not that either is you know acceptable obviously but murder is murder but you can almost rationalize and i think that's a human need to yeah, rationalize it things is because you want to when somebody flies off the hand. There's got to be a reason. Like, like a man walks in with his wife cheating. Mm-hmm. You could almost understand. I mean, obviously do not do this. But, I mean, you could understand a crime of passion in that moment. It's not okay. And I don't, you know, condone it in any kind of way. But you could you can There's explain a reason. that. There's a reason. Yeah. And like we were talking to, this guy, 
a normal guy, if he'd have gotten, you know, if he'd have flown in and she wouldn't have been interested in him, he would have been like, well, screw you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to go enjoy this festival that I've already paid for. Pick up another girl. Pick up another girl because I'm going to be in my element. You know, there's going to be all kinds of girls that like the same stuff I do. And he would have gone on with his life and everything would have been fine. But no, he made the decision. I'm going to kill these people. Well, and I think also what feeds into that, though, it was a year of building this up in his head. Yeah. So that is a major letdown. And so I think he also didn't have the self-esteem yeah. to, you know. But like you said, normal person, you might get mad about it. Oh, yeah, you're definitely going to get mad about it. And I you mean, might be like. normal. Yeah, and you might be like, you know, you might say bad things about them. You might, you know. Yeah, I mean, now you would think people would be posting, you know, yeah. what a, you know. But, yeah, to take it to the level of this is just, it's unreal. And that's why I say you have, there's a need to find a reason to Mm -hmm. rationalize it somehow, but you can't. Yeah. It's just, you can't. Well, you just, you feel so bad for these families, all the families. I mean, Melanie's family, you know, her mom and dad and her mom had tried to get, you know, help. And she didn't know that they were already gone and everything. But the help she tried to get for them and, and then... I can't imagine having to, you know, get that phone call. And then whoever was left in the family, mm-hmm. you know, for uh, Mark, Mark and, and Debbie. Deb. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't, I can't imagine having to have that kind of funeral. Mm-hmm. And like, and even Sam's parents, you know, you see it all the time when there's a somebody, and it's usually a male that is like being sentenced and all this, and the mother is sitting there saying, He's not that bad. He's a good boy. I mean, it destroys not just the victims' families, but mm-hmm. it destroys the, you know, the killers' families as well. And it, it's just heartbreaking that it got to that point that he had many outs and he didn't have to do it. I mean, like we said, he was there for days. It didn't have to happen. Mm-hmm. But so he will spend the rest of his life in jail and yep. that'll be it for him. But I would be interested to know what some of our listeners think about, like, the influences of movies and music and how it can or can't, in your opinion, right. you know, you, you know, you, I would be interested to know that. So you can comment or you can even email us. Um, my email is Mandy at OneMurderAtATime.com. Or Tracy at OneMurderAtATime.com. So we'd be interested to hear some feedback on that. Yeah. You can also throw in some Buffy references <laughs> if you want. <laughs> yes, definitely do that. Or you can, you know, let us. Oh, you can go back. Tell us uh, what characters you think made shows better. We're yeah, because you know what? At the core of this, Tracy and I, you know, we love our true crime. It's awesome, but we're also huge pop culture geeks. So anytime we can mix the two together. It's it's a win-win. Well, it breaks it up because, I mean... You're You've got to have some levity with You're this. talking about dark stuff. And, I mean, you want to get these stories out there because these victims n- need to have their stories told. And plus, it also could help people, you know, in the future. Recognize, like... Recognizing signs of yeah. stuff and everything. Because, like, we had talked before that, you know, you don't know when your kid is listening to or watching when it would go from... You know, just I'm, a normal, just a normal enjoyment yeah. of this entertainment to something else, and I don't know when it gets to that point. But uh, you all know your kids, so or, well, I think that's a that's a takeaway from this is, you know, 
you need to be involved. Like, it don't you can't shelter your kids and you can't tell them what to be interested in. But when you see that they're interested in something like this that is so violent, I mean, it's really, really, it's not normal, like, you know. Yeah. It's really, really bad. So what what do you do? Like, I mean, because Emma's parents, you know, took her to counseling. They, and I think for her, we had talked about this too. It was probably a phase. Probably. I mean, she was 16. 16. You, you, I don't like the same stuff now that I liked when I was 16 years old. No. You grow out of it. And, you know, there were people I went to high school with. Gothic became a, the Gothic style became a really big thing. You know, people wore all black and, um, you know, the really dark makeup and just, just very like teen angst, like mm-hmm. drama, you know, and stuff like that. You grow out of it. Right. And, um, but, you but know, where she does never, it? Where, where do where does that the line from like just you know just enjoying it teen ink stuff turn into obsessive you know just yeah, yeah. it's I, like I don't how know do you the know? answer to that I don't know the answer to that but yeah but yeah definitely send us an email on your thoughts on that or get you know send us a comment on Facebook and a Buffy reference and TV <laughs> shows because like we do enjoy the um the pop culture side of things and. It's fun times. But yeah, I think um, we'd like to thank everybody who's listened and um, commented and sent suggestions. We really appreciate it. This has been a fun project for us, so hopefully we can keep doing it. I think we're getting more comfortable. <laughs> we still like, <laughs> we have a weird sense of humor, but you know, it, and it's our sense of humor, so it's not for everybody. <laughs> Sometimes it may not come across. <laughs> you may not get our references about stupid stuff. But I did want to give a, um update, because we've been getting messages um, about certain cases that people want us to cover and stuff like that, and w- we appreciate that, and we would like more ideas and all that. Um, a lot of people with the recent developments in the Gina Hall case have um, been sending us stuff, and um, her, this is a personal opinion of mine, um, her sister has worked diligently for a long, long time to uh, to get to where she is right now with this case because there was some stuff that came out in the news this week. But uh, we do want to cover that, but we're kind of going to wait and see what all becomes of everything. Yeah, let this play out a bit and see, you know, what happens and what the developments really are. Um, the, you know, that's a, a case for this area. I mean, it's obviously well known. It's been well covered too. And that was a reason in the beginning we were kind of like, you know, we can't really tell anybody stuff that they don't already know. Right. But, you know, it may be something that we revisit, especially with the new developments. Because, I mean, it, it's a high profile case. Maybe, well, I mean, it made history in, was it the whole country or just uh, Virginia? I can't remember for sure. But uh, either way, it, it's a huge case, and uh, we want to do it justice, and we want to be respectful to Gina Hall's family and all that. So we definitely want to wait until um, all the findings from everything her sister Delena has find, found out. So, um, yeah, but we'll dive into that one. It'll probably be a while, but, uh, yeah, just keep the other ones coming. Well, I guess that will wrap this up. I think... Another takeaway from this is um, if someone calls themselves Sicko Sam, believe it. Word. I mean, honestly. Take Sicko at its word. Okay. 
See you next time. Bye-bye. Doses.